0: is the Bad Reputation Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes on your smartphone or tablet. Featuring the most up-to-date reputation management, social media, and entrepreneurial information on the web. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ToddCollinsOfficial. And now, the host of Bad Reputation, the Reputation Rockstar, Todd Collins. In three... Two one
1: Hey guys, I'm excited to uh, have uh, a guy that I started following a while back and it should have been just he really actually should have been like my my second or my third guest now that I think about it. after all the stuff that we talk about in my episodes, we talk about overcoming adversity. We talk about starting podcasts. We talk about all these types of things: mental toughness, entrepreneurship, all this stuff. My boy Zachary Babcock, known as the Underdog. The Underdog. The
2: what underdog. up, man?
1: What's up, brother? <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. And you know, we were just talking before uh, we we actually started the recording, and I was like, you you know, you're like you're like a big deal. And you were like, no, man, I'm not a big deal. But, dude, you are a big deal, man. You're you're inter- you're interviewing, like, big-time players on your show.
2: Man, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's really – I'm just – man, I'm in the trenches with everybody else, man. Uh, doing the work each day and uh, just trying to make the most of it.
1: So let's talk about kind of like the early stages, uh, early Zach. Because, you know, I, I get comparisons a lot of times. Like now, like uh, my parents, friends will come up to me and they'll be like – I remember when you were a kid, you know, and you were just so honory and so mouthy and you were always getting in trouble and things like that. And I remember I, I, now I actually say to them, I'm like, you realize like, it wasn't actually me. I wasn't getting in trouble. I was just taking the brunt for your kids. Mm-hmm. You guys, your kids were actually the ones that would do something. And I just took it because the expectation was that, oh, Todd gets in trouble all the time. So... I'll just be like, you know what? I am I'm, I did it. I did it. It was me. Um, and, you know, you probably dealt with that. But, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, a lot of people also talk about like attention deficit disorder and stuff like that. I have ADHD and I don't say I suffer from it because a lot of people always say like they suffer from it. If anything, it's probably one of my biggest strengths. But talk to me a little bit about like early Zach, kind of like, you know, y- your early days, like middle school, elementary school, high school, that kind of stuff. Because that's where things change, right?
2: yeah man so you talk about um uh, add and adhd you know i got ADD, adhd abcd all that shit man you know (laughs) and uh it was uh growing up i never did good well in school just it wasn't my thing um i'm not one of those guys that hates on it completely and says oh school's for suckers or whatever blah blah blah. no it's it's not if you want to be like a doctor or lawyer cool you know what i'm saying it might be for you it just wasn't for me and my thing is i'm like you man my add cd all that shit dude like that's been my greatest strength like i can't focus on anything that doesn't interest me but if i'm interested i will get laser focus and go all the way in dude and um that's just that's just how i am so i i never did good in school and that's where i started getting in trouble i i started hanging out with the wrong crowd i didn't have a father figure so i wanted to do shit to fit in um, I mean, we all do to an extent. Anybody says like, oh, I don't care what other people think. Well, well, that's bullshit, man, because we're all social creatures. And one of our biggest fears is being exiled from the tribe. So to an extent, you do care. Um, I just cared a little bit more than what was, I guess you would say, healthy or whatnot. And that uh, led to me doing a lot of stupid shit that was out of character uh, in order to fit in with these these groups or whatnot. Um, but yeah, man, eh, sh- by the time I was 17, I was catching cases, being a being a knucklehead. Um, and by the time, you know, after I caught those cases, man, I thought I was going to go to prison for a long time. I just got put on probation. I didn't know how the system worked. And so I just went off the deep end, became a full-blown uh, heroin addict and crack crackhead, like picking crack crumbs off the carpet, like just completely out, out there, bro. And, uh, you know, that ended me uh, ended up getting me to go to prison by the time I was 19.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there you go right there. I mean, you, you're, you're in prison by the time you were 19. Do you think just, and this is just out of curiosity, I guess it's like the psychological side, kind of me analyzing is you not having a father figure. Cause I had, I, I lucky, like very lucky. I have a great father still. He's like to this day, he's 77, one of my best friends, um, but put up with a lot of shit, man. I mean, there's no question about it. Do you think that had something to do with you veering down that, that path? Yeah, man, 100. Yeah. Because I, I, I guess
2: I didn't um, have a father. My mother never got remarried, or never had like a real lasting relationship after that. So I never had like a father figure in my in my life growing up. And I mean, my mom was awesome, dude. But you know, you you know just as well as I know that uh, a a mother can't raise, uh, you can't can't discipline a, a, her son like a father figure can. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And we need that fi- We need that disciplinary um, man uh, to, to model in our lives and to know what, what what being a man really is. So I just, you know, I, I would want to. F- I hung out with all older kids and I wanted to just fit in and be accepted. I guess I was like, I don't know if I really was or not, unconsciously or not, like searching for like that father figure or whatnot. But I would just do shit that was out of character to fit in with these groups or whatnot.
1: I think it's interesting too that you pointed out that we're. You know, from a from a human standpoint, we're very social, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that I feel kind of front on the side of that they don't care if people like them. And and here's the thing: at 40 years old now, because I'm 40, I'm very I'm very capable of not giving a shit if you like me or not. It still sure. hurts, right? And I'll admit that it hurts if someone doesn't like me. But I'm very accepting to the fact that uh, if you don't like me, I don't really, I don't really give a shit, whether it's a client or if it's a, um, if it's just a person. Um, so I've been more selective about the people that I hang around. Uh, but, and obviously that comes with age. But when you're younger, dude, that's all you care about. And you can, yeah. you can be as rebellious as you say you are or not give a shit or whatever it is. At the end of the day, you just want to fit in and you want to be accepted just like you said by, uh, you know, we call it a tribe. But, I mean, that's really what it is. Your group of friends, you want to be accepted and it, and it ends up pressuring you into doing things that you really didn't want to do. Like, did, you know, were you, did you get addicted to drugs because you were trying to, um, you know, cover an emotion that you were feeling? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's why, that's why I drank you know, when I was going through the stressful times in my life, I mean, I turned to alcohol and that was, uh, what helped me numb things. Um, now I'm five years sober, obviously, which is, is, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, why'd you get, dr-? oh, they always say good for you. You probably, get, you probably get that too. Like, oh, good for you, man. And I'm like, oh yeah. It's like, like, I'm a fucking baby that just learned to walk or something. Like, look at you. Know, like, <laughs> what did you? And, uh, and I'm just like, it's, so it's interesting as the years have gone on where I'm like, now I find myself not not really caring uh, if I'm in a social situation and people are drinking around me. But there comes to a point where I'm like, I want to, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out of here. And I think, again, that just comes with the age. As, as you and I, as fathers now, and as we get older and things of that nature, you know, we're very selective now. Um, And the, the, I don't care attitude is, is accepted in, in what we do now uh, from the age group that we're in and, and obviously being a parent. So you dealt with these, you, you, you dealt with these struggles early on. You, you you go to jail at 19. What happens from there?
2: Man, I went in, (laughs) it's funny, Uh, 19 years old on the outside. I tried to act like a badass and act like I was tough, but I was going to prison, dude. I'm scared shitless at the time. I don't know what to expect. Um, but I learned really quickly what the social dynamics were, what the unspoken rules were and how to operate in there. And, um, I went in, you know, the 19 year old kid came out, 23 year old kid still a bit of uh, alert, a lot happened in, in there. A lot of, a lot of, I guess you would say, uh, paradigm shifting moments. Um, you know, one that really sticks out is when my sister passed away, I was in the hole, which is, um, uh, the prison inside of the prison you can walk three steps one way and three steps the next you got very little to no human interaction um it's really dark dirty cold uh just not a very pleasant place to be at all um and i got called back to the captain's office i was down there for two months for some tattoo violations got called back to the captain's office Uh, i'm thinking that they're trying to get me to tell somebody else or that somebody told on me for something i hadn't gotten in trouble for yet and so I'm in my rebellious stage. I get back there to the captain's office, like have a seat. I'm like, dude, I ain't got shit to say. He put me back in my cell. And he's like, yeah, we got a call over the weekend and your sister passed away from a heroin overdose. Your mom had to find her dead in a bathroom with a needle in her arm. I'm like, holy shit. You no, know, like that was like the last thing I was expecting. And so they gave me a 30 second phone call to my mom. We're both crying our eyes out, um, telling each other we love each other. And then the phone hangs up 30 seconds later. And then they put me in a cell um, I asked to be put in a cell by myself. I didn't want to be in there with a with a cell man or anything. I just wanted some time alone. And for the next three days, didn't get out of bed. Just, just used, only used restroom. That was it. No, didn't eat. It's um, crying my eyes out. Uh, all I could think about was all the mean things I ever said and did to my sister and the goodbye. i never get to tell her. Um, but on that third day, and I, and I feel like this might be, uh, you know, really helpful to your audience, or at least I hope, hope it is. But on that third day, I woke up, Todd, and I was like, uh, you know I don't I don't know why I'm still here I don't know what that reason is but there is a reason I'm still breathing um, well, what can I do in this situation to find happiness and peace and um it's crazy but uh, you know at the time I didn't even know what I was doing uh, but later on you know this is 2010 before I even knew what the hell self-help books were right. but uh 2017 I read the book uh, "Waking the Giant Within by Tony Robbins he talks about uh, when you ask yourself a question you you have to you, your brain immediately searches for the answers like if i were to say you know what color color shoes are you wearing you immediately just thought about the color of your of your shoes and that's just how the brain works it focuses our attention so in most situations when and i'm very guilty of this and most of the time when we're in those adverse situations when the world's crumbling around us and it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel We ask dumb fucking questions. We'll we'll say, well, why is this always going to happen to me or blah, blah, blah. And so you're focusing your attention on the wrong shit. And I just got lucky by asking the right empowering question of what can I do right now to find happiness and peace? And because of that, it focused on what I could do, what I have power in, in that situation. Now, mind you, I'm trapped in that eight by 10 cell Right. Uh, very very little to no freedoms um, but it got me to focus on what I could do and so I developed this crazy ass routine I mean if you think OCD is something crazy they don't have shit on what I was doing but uh I would clean my side. We had two bathing towels. I took one of them, ripped them up to a bunch of mini rags to scrub the one for the floor, one for the sink, one for the toilet, one for the floor. Like this, this whole entire crazy routine, every single minute was like detailed. Like the nurse would come around each day by ourselves. The, the lunch would come in each day. I'd work out a specific time every day. Like it was just to the T. And by doing this, um, it gave me a, a peace of mind in a really, really dark time. And it was all because of asking myself that empowering questions. I know I kind of went off on the deep end there, but that's no, it's fine.
1: That. It's what I want to hear.
0: Yeah.
1: So the as far as the empowering questions, I, I that's I'm kind of curious as to the questions that you were asking yourself to get yourself refocused. Like what at that point you're in that eight by ten cell. What was what what I guess we know it changed it, right? But what was the question that was then leading to the change? inside that cell where you were like, all right, this is it. Like
2: Yeah. It was that question where I said, what can I do right now to find happiness and peace? That's and what I wanted to hear. Yeah. That's what I asked myself instead of instead of the oh why is this always gotta happen to me or whatnot. And then that's what got me to focus on what I could do.
1: Yeah. And see that that's the part that I feel like and you're absolutely right this will help the listeners. That's the part that was the same for me. When Um, when I was being sued for $2.5 million by an ex-business partner, when I was going through a divorce, when I was going through bankruptcy, when I was out of money. I mean, we're, you know, I'm not in a prison cell. So not the same thing, but it's still a struggle. Still like, what the fuck, man? I was, I had all this and now I got, and now I have nothing. Like what, you know, and of course you're absolutely right. The first thing that you say is why me? Now, what I find interesting is if you go back and you think to each thing that led to each result, it was a decision that you made. It wasn't a decision that somebody else made. So it wasn't anyone else's fault. It was that you made the decision to put yourself in that situation, right? And and, And so when we stop blaming other people for the reason why we're in a situation and we start accepting the fact that we've really put ourselves there, that's when we can start help, helping with the change. That's when you also start kind of figuring out that maybe it's about helping other people, right? In those situations. And of course, like telling your story. And that's what you're doing right now, which is what I really like. So fast forward me to you're, you're obviously, you're changing within, within those bars. And what happens when you finally get the opportunity to get out?
2: Yeah. Well, well really quick, what you just mentioned was so gold like it really is your everything right and wrong in your life is your fault. And until you can take that extreme ownership, you always be a victim. Now, some people might be like, well, you know, you can't control if a, if a tornado comes and destroys your house and kills your family. Like, yeah, you're right. You can't control that. But in that situation, you can either decide to be all bitter and, and miserable and kill yourself or go out and kill other people because of it. Or you could decide to internalize that pain and go out and, empower other people maybe going through the same situation uh or you can you know i have a bunch of other different choices that you decide to do but regardless of whatever you decide to do at the end of the day it's your choice on what you decide to do and how you respond to that situation so when it comes down to it even the situations that you can't control you still always no matter what always have the power in how you respond to it so it does come down it's it's extreme ownership has really changed my entire entire life for real man but uh but yeah, dude, at, you know, after, after prison, I did four years flat, came home when I was 23. Um, I didn't. Nobody wants to go back to prison, I don't think, unless you're just a nut job. But uh, <laughs> um, And sometimes I got to question myself in that. But uh, no, I, um, I wanted to stay up, man, and, and do good. But, you know, there was, it was really tough. Uh, I got a job at a bar and grill working 50, 60 hours a week. Um, and then I got a job at a clothing store uh, because I'd always shop there. And I got a promoted my third day there because I was crushing it. Sold three thousand, the whole store did nine thousand on my third day. That was one third of the whole store operation. So I got a promotion. I'm like, yes, you know, I'm finally putting this shit behind me, and you know, putting my past behind me. I'm moving forward. I'm in a in a in a career that I enjoy. Sales, you know, I've always been good with people. Right. And then uh, two days later, they they uh, call me back. They're like, yeah, Mister Babcock, you're a convicted felon. Kick rocks, and I'm like, uh, well, shit. And uh, instead of asking myself those empowering questions in that moment, I asked all the disempowering questions. I did the, oh, why me, through the pity party, became an alcoholic, and then uh, ended up going back to prison. Uh, and that was just 20 days before my twin sons were born. And um, that, was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was like, you know, fuck this, we're done. You know, like, I, I can't, it was, it was my desire to change at that point became stronger than my desire to say the same. I was just it hit that pain threshold, man. it was like, I, I, I'm done, dude. And I made a decision right there in that jail cell, uh, getting ready to go back to prison that I, I said, I didn't care how, what it took. Um, I, I don't care how long it takes me to get back home. Uh, and I don't care what I got to do whenever I get back home. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a responsible father and happy and successful. And from that moment, uh, I started moving in a completely different direction in my life.
1: So, I look at that. You know, we were talking about the decisions, and it, we were just literally talking from a standpoint of like this put you in this situation and this and everything else. So you're doing, you're you're being extremely successful in this job, you know. And I hate to go back to this, but I, I really want to touch on it. And you get a call, and or you get a letter, or whatever it is, or you have to talk to a, a director or whatever, and they say you're a convicted felon, you can't work here. What in the hell can you do? what if you really have truly changed you know your whole aspect of your life and that's going to follow you around for the rest of your life right it, what can you do at that point to defend yourself in a situation like that
2: um become an entrepreneur
1: there you go <laughs> so for all of those people asking and here's a here's the thing we live in a in a in a world now where we have really every single person has the ability to do that so what was funny is you realize that you're like well wait a minute so this is probably going to end up following me around forever so at this point I'm just going to be my own boss yeah it wasn't
2: like that thought process but that was pretty much the outcome um when when I when I got fired I'm like well shit man this is never like I don't and I thought I was doomed and so I just started becoming a raging alcoholic and that's what led me back to prison but um I did eight months uh the second time and when I got home Uh, It didn't matter. I was going to find some way to win, but I didn't know that I had to start my own business. I pretty much had the idea and I had this funny business idea. It's funny to look back on it. But when I went back, it was in 2014 and the whole Michael Brown situation in Ferguson, Missouri happened. And uh, that's where I'm from. I'm from Ferguson, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, well, shit, you know, like this is unfortunate that that happened. But the media is a fucking Goddamn lie, like this is this, this this my neighborhood. I grew up here. It's nothing like what right. they're putting it out to be. Uh, they're over hyping everything, and this is just bullshit. But um, and so out of that, that I guess the the uncertainty of what I, how I was going to be able to provide for my family and seeing this bullshit on the news, I'm like, well, man, I'm going to get out and I'm going to make these little because I, I did a bunch of like, you know, selling t-shirts and shit before and did a, had a ton of sales jobs on like uh up door to door, like selling some roofing siding gutters, even selling stakes off the back of pickup trucks as a kid and stuff. Um, I was like, I'm going to make these t-shirts, man, that say I heart Ferguson on them and these wristbands and I'm going to sell them door to door. that was a hell of a business model, by the way. But uh <laughs> that was the plan moving forward. But when I got home, I needed to get some startup capital to make that happen. And I was looking for a job, couldn't find anything for about two months. And then, thank God, uh, I'm no longer in network marketing, but I got introduced to network marketing. Um, at the time, I didn't know what the hell network marketing was, so you couldn't scare me off the word pyramid scheme or anything. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> like, this isn't an ML- MLM, I swear.
2: Right. <laughs> and uh, so I got into that, dude, and that that's what kind of started it. Um, and I did that for about two years. Uh, I'm so grateful for it. Even though it, so I I started making about almost two thousand dollars a month residual income within my first six months because I was just hungry, dude. I was out there getting yeah. it, and I was building a team and everything. But over time, um, it just wasn't my thing. I'm not knocking every network marketing company and every network marketer because um, there are good ones out there and there are good bad. There's bad ones out there just like in any industry. Um, however, the one I was in taught me to hey, make a list, go go run through it. You know, just don't even treat people like people. Just try and sell them shit or whatever. And that just didn't resonate. And over time, I started burning relationships. And so I ended up moving forward. But I'm grateful for it because it taught me two things or taught me three really important things. One, it taught me how not to network with people and how not to build relationships. Two, it taught me... um, it, it, it uh, opened me up to personal development. That's when I started reading personal development books and got me into the whole personal development uh, of myself. And then three, most importantly, it showed me that it don't matter what my fucking past is; that I have the power to to design my own life. And so that's why I'm really grateful for that industry.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because I I, I compare that you know to myself too, where you know before in my life there was no there was no question about it that um, I had no direction whatsoever, man. Like I, tr- and I tried school. I like, I, I did not do well in school at all ever. I did terrible in college. Um, which is, I mean, it's obviously I dropped out, but, um, like you said before, you know, unless you're a, you want to be a doctor or an engineer or an attorney or something that you have to have a specific degree in, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not for every single person, but as far as, uh, directional jobs that, that give you, um, experience, the car business is what gave me the experience in sales. Um, and I still think to this day that the car business is the best business to get in if you really truly want to be a great salesperson. If you really want to learn like sales 101, the car business 100%. There's no question about it. I mean, you look guys like Grant Cardone, same thing, man. I mean, that guy came from the car, he is straight car business, yeah. like in everything that he does, right? And so Um, I, I find it interesting from your standpoint that you, you, you knew at that point you got into the situation, you got what you needed and then you got out of it instead of being one of those people that just stuck through it. And that's what a lot of people do right now is they're in a job. They're unhappy. They know that they're not really helping anyone. Um, and the money's okay enough that they're getting by yet they don't really end up doing anything that they truly love and are passionate about and realize that we live in an an age where we can actually do things that make us really happy and we can monetize it. Mm. And so that's kind of where we are now in that journey with you is so you leave the network marketing thing, so now what? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like what are we, like now what are you doing? Because now you made some money, you got some cash, you maybe bank some wifey's probably like okay finally zach's zach's back to good old zach and he's and he's doing a great job and the kids are coming and this and everything else now what
2: yeah man um like i mentioned i started losing my passion for it and um and then also my business crumbled as a result uh, just because i wasn't into it and so i was down to making like after auto ship probably like anywhere from 300 to 600 a month so it wasn't much um And it just, it just wasn't my thing. So I'm losing my passion for it. And then at the same time, I, I was initially scared to share my uh, story of going to prison and being on hard, heavy drugs, because my thought process was, well, shit, you know, I got fired before, after I'd already did my time at that, at that clothing store. You know, I, 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 I'm definitely not going to say anything about it in entrepreneurship because if I do, then nobody's going to take me seriously and then I'll just be fucked all the way around the board and I'll never be able to provide for my family or live a life of my my dreams. And so I was scared initially and then one of my mentors in network marketing got me to start sharing it and that helped me realize the power behind it. And I was like, wow, that's actually one of my greatest strengths is the story because it draws people in and shit. Right? It's like a crazy story or whatnot and and um, and it's and it, and it can help a lot of people and, and that are going through some shit. And so I wrote a book um, while I was still in network marketing. It's still on Amazon. Uh, I pulled down the print copy, like you, you can only get it, you can still get it on Kindle on there, but I glorify network marketing like throughout the book. So I like, I don't really, it's it's not my not my thing anymore, right? Right, yeah. But, but um, in that book, Prison of Promised Land though, I, I, I shared that story and that was in October of 2016, October 11th is the day it went live. And that was like, man, I want to do more of this kind of shit. I don't know what it is, but this is more. I want to, I, I don't know. And, uh, and and I was just on the fence, and and finally, I was just started. I started following Gary Vaynerchuk at that time, and I was like, this is what I want to do, man. I want to, I want to go out and make content, man. And 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 and, I, and my thing was be a life coach at that time, and so <laughs> it's a funny story, but uh, so in the very beginning of 2017, I'm not. I, I can't send New Year's resolutions. I'm all about just set goals every single day and go after them um, instead of, oh, this year I'm going to do this or whatever. Right, right. But that year, I'm like, I'm starting the year off fresh. I'm going to cut network marketing completely and just go all in on this. And so I did. And I, I started creating content and became a life coach and beginning in 2017. And Todd, bro, I literally made Zero money as a life coach and helped zero people as a life coach. <laughs> Do you really um,
1: know that though? Do you really know if you have or haven't?
2: I mean, I might have helped. You some don't people. know. You, you yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, True.
1: It was. It, it's funny that you bring that up because a lot of this, like, I definitely did not set out to be a life coach at all, <laughs> like at all. And I did the same thing as you. It was like somebody, actually, it was my business partner. He was like, "Dude, you should, you should start sharing." all the shit that happened to you and he's like watch what happens and that when i started doing that that's a, immediately just like we just like with you immediately all of a sudden started attracting the people that were going through the same shit and they were going oh okay and sometimes you have to realize to yourself whether you want to talk about religion or this that or anything else sometimes you realize like man maybe he put it on me or maybe she put it on me to say he can handle it and then he can take this message and he can pass it along to these people to help them that maybe aren't as strong to help pull them through and that's something I really truly believe and I take that to heart and like you were saying the life coach thing you almost feel like you're you almost feel like you're a fraud or a fake when you when you feel like that because you, you start comparing yourselves to other people that have gone through worse things than you if that makes sense right like I'm sitting here like divorced, bankruptcy this and everything you're like yeah motherfucker I was in a goddamn jail cell that was three by three for nine months like you haven't dealt sh- with shit yeah, right but, I,
2: but but i i almost even don't even feel like that like when people say that i'm like i know that i feel like just because it sounds worse like prison or whatever versus a, a, a divorce whatever who's to say though that that's worse because that divorce you you could have like I, i'm just speculating well, here. well it
1: could have broken me right it could have yeah. broken me to the point of like suicide or something like that right Same yeah. in prison so yeah i i I think that's the part in your head, though, when when you start realizing that it's like the the manifestation of am I am I am I really helping people? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting back to is that I remember I was sitting down with a friend and he said um, he's like, you know, I just came from this event and he's like, all these people were talking about you, and I was like, really, like good shit, bad shit, you know? <laughs> and he was like, no, man, it was all good. He's like. And I was like, yeah, no, it's like, it's showing them like my profiles, man. I'm like getting like a lot of growth there. And he's like, he's like, yeah, dude. He's like the people that are communicating with you online right now. That's like 1% of the people that are talking about you in the real world. And when he said that, that touched me and I went, fuck man, he's right. So there's people that we probably tell our stories and we probably share a lot of stuff and they might see it. They don't say anything to us, but it helps us. Cause if you think about it, you do it too. Like, you might see something, like you just said, on Gary's thing or, 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 you know, any of the guys that you follow, you might see something one day and it touches you. You don't say anything to them, but it did help you. And so, you know, you might be thinking, man, I didn't make any money. I didn't help anybody, but I guarantee you, you probably did. They just didn't say anything to you, 100%. Yeah. They obviously didn't fucking pay you, which is bullshit, but <laughs> regardless. We start realizing that, though, right? We start realizing that a lot of the stuff that we can do to help people um, that... The monetization isn't to make money off somebody. The monetization is that it's our time, and for us, and and it's, it's exhausting, man. I mean, you speak, right? I mean, you do. There's times where you have to go and do seminars, or you have to go do speaking engagements, and I, you know, I do the same thing. That shit is fucking exhausting, dude. You're yeah. emotionally fucking exhausted when you come off <sighs> those stages. Am I right? Oh yeah. I mean, and people, a lot of people don't realize that, right? I mean, to be able to keep. Uh, 200, 300 people focused, you know, for, and you know, it's impossible for us with what we deal with to be able to keep that many people focused for that, for that, uh, you know, for hour, hour and 45 minutes that you're up there talking, it's emotional exhaustion. There's no question about it. So, um, but I guarantee you that you've helped some other people. So you're in this situation, you write the book, you put the book out, you, you make zero money as a life coach. Yeah. So now you're back to square one again. <laughs> now yeah. what?
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm sitting there. I'm 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 ramming my head into brick walls, trying to figure this shit out. Trying to figure out how to make money online. Uh, my message is just all over the fucking place. I'm saying things like, "I can help you achieve your goals. I can help you live a better life." Like, who in the fuck would want to pay somebody money for something like that? Like, it was just, it, it, and I, 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 that's what I got for for doing shit like that. I got nothing. Um, and so I, 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 a couple people told me, like, oh, well, entrepreneurs like to invest in things that help them make money. They want to invest into a life coach. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna become a business coach then. Broke as fuck, becoming a business coach, all this shit. (laughs) And, and man, it was just like, it was just like literally a big circle jerk just of just doing this stuff. But I really started. Dive in deep into psychology and marketing and stuff like I Those things, those topics really excite me uh, a lot. I love human psychology, human nature. This, it's just uh it's amazing, man. It's incredible. You know, and anything involving two or more people, uh, is psychology. So, so that's what really drew me to that. And I realized that, you know, and marketing specifically, like, all oh, it is is psychology. You know, if you just really understand humans, you can understand how to market them and understand what they want and need and what their biggest problems are and, and so on. And so that's where I started gravitating towards. And I learned a lot through, through, um, through my failures, I guess you would say, but what would I had my first kind of like, I guess, breakthrough my first, like, like, wow, this is really like starting to change was when I launched the podcast. Um, and I launched the podcast, bro. Cause here I was trying to collaborate with other entrepreneurs. And anytime I tried to collaborate with anybody, uh, nobody took me seriously. Everybody, I was just an ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave any time of day to. And uh, and I was fucking pissed, man. I was pissed off about it. Like, like yeah, I was like, you know, that's why the whole underdog empowerment thing came about. I was like, man, fuck that. I'm going to show these people, you know, they got the wrong one. And, and so out of that pain, out of that frustration of nobody taking me seriously, I decided to launch the underdog empowerment podcast. And this time I did it right because... I had a brand before on YouTube that went nowhere. It was called Win With Zack. And that sucked ass because it was cheesy and it was selfish. It was just Win with Zack. It's not something that everybody can get behind. It was about right. me. You know? Yeah. And so I learned from that, bro. And then so I was like, okay, I need to create something like a movement, a brand that a um, movement that people could get behind that speaks to a specific type of person. And so I started asking, Well, who am I? You know, well, I'm well I'm fucking. I'm an ex-convict. Well, I'm not just an ex-convict. Who am I? Man, I'm like, well, I'm an entrepreneur. And I just kept asking, and I was like, oh, but what 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 more specific? I was like, let's get more specific. And I was like, well, I'm an underdog. I'm an underdog entrepreneur. You know, I got all these odds stacked against me. Everybody count me out. But it don't matter. I'm committed to to winning and getting that respect that I crave. And so that's where the uh, I was like, underdog. And then so I got really specific about the words underdog is for, you know, I just uh, describe that. Then you can Google empowerment. It's giving power to a specific group of people or whatnot. And that's where I settled on that name. And then it even went even further with the colors, the red, black, and, uh, and, and white. If you Google psychology of colors, like red is like aggressive and power and, and black's more like uh you know, has a dark side to it, but it's also elegant. And white's kind of like that clarity and peace. So it's like all these mixed together spoke directly to that specific type and then when I launched the podcast, bro, became a top two hundred rated podcast for the third day, and then the next week we had Billy Jean's marketing on the show. Yeah, it was, it was crazy because the week before nobody wanted anything to do with me, and then the, a week later I'm interviewing celebrities and shit. So it was like it was it was insane. It was nuts, and I finally knew that I was onto something. Uh, onto something. I, f- I started finding my space in the market.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent, and and that's where. That's where I feel like you started realizing. You're like, wait a minute, okay, I can help other people tell their stories, and then I can fit in somewhat of my opinions inside those stories at the same time to bring awareness to myself. And that's where you ended up figuring it all out. So how did? So get get me into this one, because because Billy Billy Jean's a fucking hilarious dude, man. Um, <laughs> I give him a lot of props because he from from an awareness standpoint, I remember. I remember he asked, he, there was some situation in San Diego. I think Chuck was doing a seminar and Billy Jean was one of the guys who actually asked him a question. And I think he said, he was like, Hey, I run an agency here, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, I remember Gary said something about Billy. Like it was, it was something, I can't remember what it was. It was, maybe it was on Grant Cardone's thing or something like that about it. But that kind of sent me sideways on Vaynerchuk a little bit, just because I was like, damn, man. So it's like, you're allowed to do all this, but like if somebody else wants to go out and do it, like they can't do it. Like it. Like you shit on him because he's doing well. When I started following Billy, I started seeing, I'm like, this guy gets it, dude. He's entertaining people. He's educating people. And he's being informative with things that he's putting out. No wonder people fucking follow him. He's doing it right. And so, how did that all come about? Like, did you did he reach out to you about being on the podcast? Did you reach out to him about being on the podcast? Did you just see his stuff and find interest in it and be like, this is somebody I want to talk to? Like, how did you lead to that?
2: Yeah, man. I ask,
1: the reason I asked that is because some of the people that, and just so you guys know, like, just kind of a side marker here. I mean, this is what Zach does, right? He helps people tell their stories. And typically, he doesn't get, I guess, asked quite often, get hit to tell his story. So, kind of is like good for him. But- at the end of the day, you guys are all trying to start podcasts. You want to start podcasts or I tell you, I'm like, dude, you should go start a podcast. You got to, you have to have interesting people on for people to listen, right? Yeah. 100% that, bro. Was that what happened or how did that turn?
2: Yeah, dude. So I met Billy at a uh, event in 2017 in Long Beach. And then a few months after that event, uh, before the podcast, I had reached out to him and I was trying to get him to be on my online summit. I didn't even know what the mm-hmm. fuck I was doing.
1: I'm <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> 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 I love all these things. You're like, man, I'm just going to fucking try this and this and this. Yeah,
2: it's oh. exactly it's exactly what it was. And and on his personal page, on his personal Facebook, so I was connected with him from the event. Um, every time I've messaged him, there like he opens it. Like he's, I guess he's like glued to his phone because so he like opens it right away. Yeah. And and you know you could tell when somebody opens a message. So I sent him that, and I seen him open it, and then he never responded. Ah. And I was like, oh, that sucks. But I, you know, I it, I deserved it because it was it didn't have any value in it for him, and it was just it wasn't dialed in. Mm-hmm. And then um, then we launched a podcast, came a to top 200 podcast, and I reached out to him as soon as I did. I'm like, yo, Billy. This became a top two hundred rated podcast. Man, I'd love to interview you on the show. Can we make it happen? And he opened it up right away and responded right away and said uh, it, it, it was his assistant's email. He said she got my schedule. That was the exact words. She, his assistant's email, she got my schedule. That was it. And then we, I hit her up and then we had him on the next week or whatnot. So it was awesome. It was pretty cool, man. But yeah, I'm you're down. so yeah, dude. It's been so. I'm not gonna say it's just been like like nothing. Like I haven't struggled since. And, and because I'm uh, obviously uh, working on a, a process but yeah, I, don't, I don't trust but, uh, and it's always boom it's all, uh, and it's all because of the podcast but match for me you know now you know, like, I do, like, in-person yeah, interviews yeah. with, like, Andy Priscilla, Bradley, uh, John Lee Dumas. And, and,
1: and what that does, it's like… It social proofs you, Zach.
2: Yeah, 100%. It it's, it's social
1: proofs you. And in, in, in my opinion, when those guys tap you, basically, when they're saying, yep, I'm going to give you my time, and they're and they they're tapping you saying he's the real deal. You you know what I mean? So, like, from a social media marketing standpoint, when, you know, Dennis, Dennis Yu, one of my mentors, was on with Billie Jean, right? And I'm, and I'm trained. You know, I trained with Dennis. It social proof, you. It's a, with, with these big guys, right? And so it was funny because you, you were just saying like everybody that always wins, like you don't end up trusting them. I remember this is recent. Like I don't even know if you saw this video yet, but it was basically a, a video about like me. I wanted to be in this. I wanted to do this this uh, digital agency summit seminar thing. And everybody was talking about social media marketing and nobody was talking about reputation management, online reputation management, which is what like my thing is. Right. And I reached out and I, I, I sent my application in and I, nobody hit me back. And I saw Dennis was going to be speaking there. And I was like, Hey man, is I said, this is a super selfish question. Is there any way that you could get this to somebody that's a decision maker where i could talk about reputation management because i said i went to the speak the speakers that are going to be there and nobody there is talking about reputation management everybody's typically or technically they're talking about the exact same thing it's just a different person and he was like yeah yeah yeah. and so like i didn't hear anything back for like a week or two right and at that point of course you're you're like he's not hitting me back odds are like not good so he hits me back and he doesn't say no he just says or doesn't tell me like they didn't say that they said no he just was like you're on a trajectory right now and you're doing really good and you're out there and you're speaking and you're charging for your speaking and you're you're doing well in the agency and your agency's flourishing and you're doing all this stuff and everything's going good he's like they're gonna contact you when you're ready and when it's your time and that i was like fucking sucked to fucking hear that dude like my fucking I was like
2: (laughs) And I, like, I want to
1: do this shit now. <laughs> I want to do it now. And then I sat back and I was like, wait a minute, man. I was like, who the fuck am I to say that I'm the guy that should be up there? I was like, instead, let me, you're right. Let me wait. And then he said to me, he goes, dude, make a fucking video about that. Make a video about how you're feeling right now. And so I grabbed one of my, my people here at the camera and I said, let's go outside. Let's sit on the sidewalk. And I just want to fucking spill it. And that video did really, really well. And it was only because I completely made myself vulnerable and was like, I fucking lose too. Like I cheer and I put a lot of people on like from a standpoint of like, I want people to do really well. And this is why you should be positive thinking and everything else like that. But I also fucking get mad at myself and like depressed about it and mad about it and angry about it and sad about it and all this kind of stuff. And I think when you get that vulnerable and you share that, that really reads a lot more social proof sometimes than being in contact with somebody that is like maybe bigger than you or higher than you on that scale of, of social proof. So like you said, man, uh, the trust of, hey, everything's always fucking awesome. Like, I don't, why would you trust somebody like that? Because yeah. it's, it's fucking impossible, dude. Yeah, thank you,
2: dude. All right, this is something that I'm really, really passionate about. But dude, I'll see those virtue signaling fake ass douchebag motherfuckers online dude that are that are always like, Oh my life's so positive and I'm and I'm and I'm giving value to the world and I'm making contributions and impact and, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I love uh all my bit everything I do is based around helping other people but it's geared first and foremost to help me first and foremost Right. And, and it should always be that way if every single person that's why in the airplanes they say put the air mask on yourself first for you and put that's it on right your kids. you have to fill up your cup first before you can fill up any other cup period and then so the people that are always like my life's so positive and, they, and like they and It's bullshit, and I don't fucking trust them. And the reason why is because, dude, it is, like you said, it is literally impossible not to have dark thoughts, emotions, and desires. Every human being has it. It's legit hardwired in us. We are human fucking beings. That's why we have all these different emotions. We're going to experience all of them. There's no way not to. You're going to feel jealousy at times. You're going to feel envious at times. You're going to feel... Hatred and and all this stuff. Like, you mean to tell me that there's not times where you don't want to literally punch someone dead in the in the throat or like hit them with a bat upside there like? You don't
1: imagine yourself like hit like, dude. That happens every, every day. day. Yeah, <laughs> it, I do. I mean, yeah, and I talk about that, right? And but I, I've what you just said is totally interesting. It's uh, the stuff that I put out is for me to keep me on an even keel, and if it helps somebody else, great. But yeah. a lot of the stuff that I put out. I'm very selfish with, with, with my posts and it just is what it is. Like, I'm selfish with it because all I'm doing is taking something that I felt and putting it there and putting it out there and if it's positive, it's great. So, if I feel like if I put out positive shit, then... It's what I'm gonna end up consuming anyway. But I I wanted to, and Dennis was right by telling me this was like, document the losses and the stuff. And that's why I always say stuff. I'm like, fucking right, I lose clients, dude. It sucks. I fucking hate it. I hate losing clients. Was it my fault? Yep, probably. Probably was. Um, I fucking hate losing bids for jobs. Was it my fault? Maybe. Probably was though. If once you start accepting the fault side of it, then it makes a lot more sense. But Uh, you're right man there's a lot of people out there that that's all they share is the fucking good positive stuff and that we're the fucking best and we're number one in this that and everything else that's great man but at the end of the day if you're not showing the losses and stuff it's not fucking real man it's not real at all and people can the kids nowadays can smell fucking real a mile away and they can smell fake as shit a mile away too
2: yeah man 100% dude and uh, uh, exactly dude it it, it humanizes you and then on top of that too man you got to think, man, like the people that do act positive and shit all the time are the ones that you really have to watch out for because they're the ones that are more likely to do. more They're more secretive and have more darker urges and are, are, are going to do more crazier shit. You know, if you, if you ever studied the works of Carl Jung or Jung or I can't never pronounce his name, J-U-N-G, the great psychologist back in like the 1930s and shit. No, whatever. but now I
1: want to. Oh, dude.
2: He talks about about this shadow work, man. He talks about how, you know, how we all had this shit, but he talks about the best way to actually prevent these dark thoughts, emotions and desires from actualizing themselves and, you know, to prevent yourself from actually going out and killing somebody or whatever um, is to actually incorporate it with the rest of the persona and bring it to the surface and be real and open about it because then that's the best way to actually stop it versus trying to suppress it. Like, like a lot, all of us have done and like trying to act like, you know, we don't have it and stuff. And, and, and here's the deal, man, no matter what, I mean, it happens every single day on the micro level. You see, yeah, I mean, people cut off, people cut other people down to get to where they want all the time. It happens, bro. It, on the micro level, people cut off people on the highway. Uh, they, they, uh, vie for positions and checkout lanes. Um, all this shit, man, and then on a macro level, it happens where countries wage wars against others to get what they want, or uh, big corporations impose these tax laws on the on the lower. Cl- it's just it, the shit happens, but to to. to incorporate and just bring to the surface is how to actually stop and prevent it from actualizing it from preventing it from becoming a monster instead of suppressing it down below the surface and letting it fester and grow into something crazy you know what I mean
1: how would you how what did what, what advice would you give someone uh, that is currently dealing with that that is that is doing that right now and maybe they need to start having that way of thinking instead what would be the give me the first step of of moving in that direction that, that, that type of mindset
2: no doubt i can only share what's my experience and what's helped for me um, so I was going through this Like dude Remember I said I was scared to share my story Yeah Because I was in entrepreneurship and I thought nobody would take me seriously I used to wear fucking Suits and ties and shit bro
1: And that's not me man I've seen it <laughs> Yeah There's yes. old YouTube videos dude YouTube Zach And you can see him in like Suits and stuff Actually Oh my god Probably YouTube me recently And I, I Wearing a suit And I only wear a suit For my mother Nicole or uh, this, <laughs> this this older lady Marjorie Hampson for that I do some stuff for Restaurant Week for here for the restaurants. That's it. But it's funny I I don't do it anymore. I refuse to. But go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So sorry about that. I cut you off on the advice part.
2: <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah, dude. I, I and so I would I did the whole fake and be positive and like I don't have these bad feelings, thoughts, and desires, all this shit or whatever. And it wasn't me. And the reason why we do this. For one, you know, society places the standard and then we're all secretly failing to meet that standard because there's no such thing as the ideal fucking human being because we're fucking human beings. And it's good, though, that society has it because a society that would allow rape and murder and shit like that would not be a good society to live in. But still, though, there's no such thing as meeting the ideal. And so we find that line as a kid and then we dance along that line our entire lives. The rest mm-hmm. of our lives is dancing on it and so I was doing this bullshit and it just wasn't me and you know I, I would not say things uh because I was afraid knowing I would I, I wouldn't say things that I know could actually improve the quality of life of another human being but I wouldn't say them because I was afraid of how I'd be perceived by others by doing it and see that shit is disempowering um and and when I Finally started studying like the Carl Jung's and all the shit and started unlocking this shit and just really, you know, like not holding back because here's the deal. No matter what you say, no matter how you say it, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, there's always going to be people that fucking hate you for it. And there's always going to be people that fucking love you for it. And that's it's just so much easier to be yourself because then you don't have to fake and pretend or anything. You just be yourself, and you can actually be happy and at peace with that. And yeah, there's still gonna be people that fucking hate you in the process, uh, but at the end of the day, man, you're able to to be you and, and have that freedom uh, in the in the process of doing that.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I, you know, we and this takes us back almost to the beginning of of the episode when we were talking about that. You know we care about what other people think about us do you think that also with that same mindset that you were just talking about that just being yourself kind of thing don't you think that also kind of comes with age because I, I i gotta tell you i probably not up until the age of jeez i was probably in my early 30 ish where i was really starting to find myself i didn't really truly like unlock unlock everything about myself and then really not care so much about the exterior side of things probably um last maybe three or four years like where it really kind of came to like a point where I was like that's it I'm just gonna wear what I want dress like I want act like I want share what I want work like I want you know what I mean like everything only hang out with the people I want to hang out with like stop you know, pandering to the fucking people where like, I want to get something like either I want to get a sale or whatever, or whatever it was like, I'm just stopping it. You're absolutely positively right. And I hope you guys, if you guys didn't hit that back 30 seconds, three times and go back and listen to what Zach just said. The minute that you start living your life like that, with that type of mindset, you watch what happens around you. Everything, starts to go a completely different way and it all starts to make sense now. It all starts, oh, okay. And then people start, you you start attracting people that are like-minded, that think the same way as you, right? And these are people that you want to surround yourself with and those people uplift you. And when the haters come around, all right, and they start sniffing around because they will do that because they're jealous or they're upset or they wish they could do those things that you're doing, when they come around, that's when your tribe starts to surround them like a pack of wolves, man. And what happens is they drive them off. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. Um, and that's when I've also became more of the sarcastic me, right? Like when somebody would post something up in the comments, instead of getting pissed off about it, man, I would just put up like a gif, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just more like your fucking, your fucking comments. not doesn't mean shit to me, dude. Like you can say whatever you want. Like, it's cool. You can have your opinion and stuff like that. So, I really hope you guys take that one to heart because if anything comes out of this episode, that that is the one major thing right there is that people are going to, no matter what you do, they're gonna hate you. They're gonna they're they're gonna try to push you back down to where you were at one point. You just gotta surround yourself with the people that are trying to uplift you as much as possible. And there's people like Zach out there. Um, if you're real and you're true. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys, he'll, he'll be the first one to come to your defense, I, I I can assure you. And I've seen his shit in threads. Do not. Do not start to tangle with the underdog in oh, the thread. Because he will rip you apart like a pit bull, baby. And pit bulls are very nice dogs, by the way. I just want to say that.
2: I'm really soft as medicated cotton. Everybody just thinks I'm tough.
1: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so as we kind of like tear towards the end of the episode, what I always like to do and – um. I think you kind of already noticed know, know this is that there's a couple things that and I, I want to talk about social media for a second because social media believe it or not is something that you actually do very very well in my opinion you disperse a lot of really good content um, on multiple platforms and I wanted to talk about that for a second so let's say somebody does have a podcast so they're starting a podcast or they just want to distribute content um, give me three tips that you use that maybe you've never shared before that my listeners could listen to and be like, oh, wow, this is something that maybe I should try or something that works really well for you that just from like A-B testing you've done yourself, um, that's worked for you that could help them?
2: Yeah, number one, because I learned this shit the hard way. Um, Everybody, not everybody, but most, a lot of people that I see, I'll I'll put it that way. A lot of people that I see when they start doing the social media uh, thing and, and, and putting out content is they, Get on every single platform, and I did that too. And don't do that. Uh, that that will crush your creativity quicker and shit. You'll spread yourself too thin. You won't be able to keep up with it, and it'll become painful, and you'll just hate doing it. Um, start off with because I did that, man, and it it, it was horrible. Um, start off with just one two at the most but just one platform master that platform and i mean fucking master it actually put in the time like really don't be not a self-proclaimed expert like really master something get it down all right and uh and then after you you got that then you can add on to to it um like like me for example i was on instagram twitter youtube uh everything and uh, uh it was it was horrible and then I cut every, it was hard. I even had to cut out YouTube. I'm, I'm getting back on YouTube and launching my blog because I have a whole entire team and we, yeah. can, we can put out the content now. But I, I I stripped everything down to just podcasting and Facebook. And when I did that, because I, I was like, well, I can't get rid of the podcast because that's what started getting me this. Sure. this it was success. the pillar, the pillar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I stayed on Facebook because that's where I had always been and I had like a, I guess, uh, more of a engaged filing. I didn't have the largest filing on Facebook, but I had the most engagement there. And so that's all I've been on. And now we're getting ready to get back on YouTube and, and the blog on the, on the website. Uh, and then eventually after we get those down and the systems out and then we're going to get to Instagram. So, so start with one, I guess it would be the first piece of advice. Second, um, get really clear on, 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 who it is that you serve. Now, if you're doing content now, if you're, I'm talking about for personal branding specifically. Thank you. Yeah. If, if not talking about if you got a company, all right. But like if you're doing personal branding and the key word here is personal, your ideal customer avatar or whatever you want to call it, your ideal audience is not something that you fucking make a imaginary fucking avatar and get the demo, oh, there he's a 35-year-old male that has two kids and a wife and makes 100K a year. No, motherfucker. Your ideal customer avatar is you if it's a personal brand because if you make up this imaginary avatar, all right, and you're doing a personal brand, then you have to be the ideal for that avatar. And if it doesn't align with who you are, people are going to sniff that shit out really quickly. Yep. And I've done this... I failed on this miserably. And if you just get really clear on who you are and who you were yesterday and how you can help yourself get to where you're at right now, you'll, you'll see a lot more success that way. Um, and then the third, third piece of advice I'd be is, man, I don't even know. I think those two are like really what they I are. hammered down, hammered down on, but consistency. Uh, I know that's so cliche and, and whatever, but cliches tend to be real wherever you're at show up consistently uh if you're not consistent with it then then people won't take you seriously they they, they can't trust you they can't account on you to to be somewhere so if you're going to do something commit to it uh and be consistent with what you commit to and uh that would be my three pieces tidbits
1: those, those are good the, my, my contrary on the first one is I talk about casting a wide net, right? Because Facebook and Instagram went down and then there were so many people that counted on that one like platform or two platforms for, to distribute their content. Um, what, what I agree with, with what Zach said is don't overwhelm yourself to the point where you've listened to what I said of casting a wide net, right? Of being on all these different platforms but then at the same time, you're spreading yourself so thin that you basically don't even have time to create content because you're, you're too busy trying to upload all this content to all these different platforms. If you find one that you really, really like, that's where the best content is going to end up. And then at that point, that's where your followers are going to be. And then you can start distributing that and widening that net like like Zach was just saying. Then you can start ca- casting that wider net, which really leads back into the patience game where it's like you try to rush LinkedIn. You try to rush Instagram. You try to rush Twitter. And, you know, look, dude, like I fucking put content out every day on Twitter and I barely break a fucking little crack in the fucking wall over Twitter. It just is what it is. But going back to your point of staying consistent, I'm consistent every single day. I'm also engaging with other people. And I think that's where you always end up finding the most value is when you jump in and you start engaging with other people. That's when you, that's, that's when things really start to change for you is when you're actually engaging I mean, everything else there, the consistency standpoint is n- not even a question about it. Um, if that was your point as a personal brand, you have to stay consistent. And you have to stay in the eyes of the people that are following you or listening to what you're saying. If you're not staying consistent, then you're not drinking your own Kool Aid. Uh, so don't fucking talk about being consistent and then not be consistent. That that that's an immediate, you know, non creditation of being social proofed. Um, and so, you know, it's just like the the YouTube challenge that I'm doing. Like I really fucking in my head don't want to do this but i really don't but in my head i want to challenge myself because i wasn't feeling challenged in some of the stuff i was doing i want to challenge myself but then i want to be able to show people even like a mom or a dad that's like in their 50s or 60s man that they can go and they can create content around something that they love just by using things that are super easy to use and if they stay consistent to it that it might actually you know turn into something really really big and i've already noticed that which is pretty cool um and then, um, I think the second one. What was the second one? That's
2: my. Oh, oh, it's all good. Uh, it was consistent. Was the third one? First one was uh, oh the the the
1: customer avatar and personal customer bravery. avatar. The biggest part there is just be the real you. Yeah. It's the easiest part. Once you've done that, everything else is gravy. No question about it. All right. So last but not least, we talked about the social media side of it. Give me three motivational tips. Because you, you are one motivational son of a bitch.
2: You hear that? <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> you pump me up, brother. So give me
1: three motivational tips on your side uh, that, that keep you kind of rolling uh, all day long.
2: Yeah, man. So I I started the whole underdog empowerment thing off of motivation of, you know, okay, they want to count me out. I'm going to prove these motherfuckers wrong. And having that, like, that common enemy, like that, okay, I'm going to prove them, you know, whatever. That's great motivation. Great to get started. That's one, but two... Chip on your shoulder. Yeah, have that chip on your shoulder. Two, now that chip on your shoulder isn't always going to be a chip on your shoulder. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where like, well, fuck, I done proved them wrong. I I did everything they said I couldn't do. What's next? And also, there's going to be days where you're just not fucking motivated. Um, Motivation is bullshit. It comes and goes, you know? So it's good to have it, good to use it, and it's good when you have it. But what do you do when times when you don't? So have those strong enough reasons why, like right here, I mean, you guys obviously can't see it because it's a podcast, but here in my office where we're doing this interview, I look to the right of my desk and I have a vision board that represents every single thing that I want in my life in every single aspect, not just money, not just houses, not just whatever. I got how I want, how things that I want to do with my kids, places that we want to visit. Um, uh, how I, I, I have a, this thing, it's a bunch of balloon faces and one has like a, a sad face on, one has a mad face, one has a happy. And and so it's a bunch of different emotions. And it says, I am the master above it, meaning I'm the master of my emotions. That's another thing I strive for. Like all these, all these I could go on and on, but it's just a, a visual representation of everything that I want in my life. And so I know what's driving me I had those strong enough reasons why I'm doing it like for me it started off with to be a father figure being my kid's life and now it's grown so much more and now I know what I'm aiming for each and every day and then so I can make my goals those tiny little small goals that are leading towards of exactly what I want to sum that up if you know if you don't aim if you, if you aim at nothing you'll hit it every time I think that's a Zig Ziglar quote that always stuck with me man it's so true though so know exactly what it is that you want and then uh, finally, man, just, just the, going back to what we talked about earlier, I couldn't stress it enough, complete ownership, man. If you just own everything in your life, because I used to be the complete opposite. I used to blame all my problems and every fucking thing that went wrong on anything and everybody else besides me. And then when I turned that around and took ownership for everything wrong and right in my life, uh, that's when the game changed for me so yeah that would be my three tidbits right there
1: God damn I'm jacked up as fuck right now dude I <laughs> all that. vision board dude uh, if you haven't done a vision board yet do that I did it and it's, it's really awesome Zach thanks for coming on man um, where can everybody follow you?
2: yeah dude the podcast dude underdog empowerment if you guys enjoyed this uh, love to love to see you guys over there it's on literally any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts to. Um, but to make it really simple for you, you can go to underdogempowerment.com and right there on the front page, you might have to scroll down to Ted. You can, uh, subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Google play stitcher, whatever. Hope to see you there. And, uh, Todd, thanks for so much for having me on the show, man. It's been a blast, bro.
1: Dude, it, it was an absolute blessing to have you on, man, because I think this is something that everybody needed to hear. And uh, I do listen to Zach's podcast quite often, actually, On especially like on longer drives, just because I need to just get pumped up and jacked up. And that last, that last two minutes uh, of this episode, if that didn't get you jacked up to go do something fucking spectacular, something's fucking wrong, and you need to unsubscribe from <laughs> my fucking podcast right now. Zachary Babcock, the underdog. Thanks, brother. Thank you.
0: Has been a Todd Collins official production in conjunction with Platinum Reputations. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd, Todd Collins, Collins official, or visit us at www.toddcollinsofficial.com. Want to be on the show or become a sponsor? Message us on Facebook and tell us why.